Yes, tools are important. They make our work more effective. They make our communication with uh, different stakeholders more effective, more fancy sometimes. They could trigger stakeholders paying attention to what we are doing, but they are just the tools. They're here to help us communicate in ideas and solve problems. So don't overpay attention to tools. Hello, everyone, and welcome on the next episode of Anfisa Ioana's podcast, which is called Honest UX Talks. Um, in this episode, we will try to tackle the topic uh, about UX design tools. Some people were asking us in the DM, what tools do we want to use? And let's say, what do we use right now? What are the hot tools right now in the market? And what uh, beginner designers uh, can learn right now so that they don't waste time in the future learning new other tools. Um, so I think it could be an interesting topic to tackle. And before we dive into that topic, um, Ioana, how was your week and any updates on your side that you want to share with us? Thanks for asking. And I love our little uh, ritual of uh, discussing uh, what has happened in between our calls. So uh, right now, the main uh, activity in my life, besides the baby, of course, which is the absolute main activity, but the second main activity is uh, working on the school that I'm about to launch very soon. And uh, I've had intensive meetings with the team of designers I'm working with and everybody is very hyped and the energy levels are very high and we're both uh, excited but also stressed out because it's a, it's a new experience. It's gonna be, we're gonna be learning so much along the way of building this uh, product if you want. We're treating it like a startup. We actually call it our startup. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's, um, we're, we're like uh, teenagers looking to change the world we're going to revolutionize the way people learn we're going to do so much good in the world and probably reality will hit <laughs> nice. soon it probably it won't be that easy and we're gonna hit all sorts of things but you you've been through that already you probably know better that it, it it's it's gratifying but it's not easy i can assume and we've i we've also been doing a lot of work putting a lot of work into it since uh, last summer so uh, yeah, I'm excited to be able to share more with uh, you and with uh, our listeners uh, very soon now. Probably they'll find more information on my Instagram profile. So Yay. yeah, that's so um, we're probably gonna start communicating and teasing in March. Um, April will be a more um, let's say uh, building the cohort. Uh, reviewing applications, uh, talking to the interested students and so on. And probably starting May, we're going to have the first cohort up and running. And um, probably we're going to see, depending on how much interest there is, if we're going to do monthly cohorts or every two months. Uh, but yeah, uh, pro uh, nice. April will be the, the heaviest in terms of communicational efforts. So uh, okay. people will will start to see uh, things uh, moving in March, but uh, yeah, probably so, everybody will, will know about it. I hope by the end of April. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure people will already start saving the dates for for, for April. <laughs> yeah, and a quick update on my side as well. I also started thinking about. So remember, I told you about the yearly plan or the yearly goals for this year, and I finally started working. Well. Because the first two months I was really wrapped up in the social media rebranding and system and whatever else. But uh, finally, I guess this week I've started working on the next goal, which is um, more public talks or more presentations and workshops online. So I'm finally moving towards that goal and uh, 
the, I'm planning to have an one talk uh, on April. It's going to be for FigmaConf, not for the FigmaConf, not the official one, but like a one local meetup in Athens. Um, and the other one would be in May. So it's going to be, I think most of you, and for sure you or Joanna have heard of it, it's Front Row, where there are a lot of great creators online come together and share their experiences. So I started thinking about the topic already and I'm probably going to share some sort of a practical workshop or a slash presentation on how can I, uh, basically the goal of the talk I'm trying to prepare right now is to um, make the onboarding journey, the transition to UX design journey much more smooth, more like a smooth sailing into the UX design if we want. Um, and really all the things that you can keep in mind and actually even some things that we were discussing in these e episodes in the past, such as um, this learning, uh, learning persona exercise or how do you know where to apply and how do you prepare how, what's your learning journey should be like and uh, what questions you should ask yourself how much time you should allocate and all of those things so I try to kind of prepare the agenda um, and help maybe people who are trying to transition to your design and overwhelmed with the amount of resources and things that they could be doing and kind of put it into some structure that people can use and maybe make it a bit more strategic almost like planning it with uh, some sort of template. <laughs> so I hope that would be something like that. We'll see how it turns out. I started drafting the talk or a presentation. And um, I'm also very, very excited to see how it turns out and if that will be helpful at any, <laughs> at any scale. <laughs> I think it totally will, because it's a subject that we both know very well that it's on the mind of many, many yes, aspiring sure. designers out there. So it's gonna answer a real need out there. And uh, plus, I think that I will be joining you at Front Row <laughs> Conference. Um, I think I confirmed, <laughs> I yes. accepted the invitation, cool. but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, maybe this is a good reminder that I should follow up on the, the conversation <laughs> with Raya. So yeah, it's a, it's a great event and every year um, I love the speakers. I feel like it's a small family, so uh, it, it's a great uh, and I'm looking forward for your workshop. I'm, I'm going to be on a 10 <laughs> and a dandy, and a dandy. <laughs> okay, so I guess we can start uh, get started with the topic of today at this point. Um, so as I said, the topic of today's episode is the tools, UX design tools. What do we use? What do we think we should be you should be using if you're starting out? And maybe if there are any market um, market standard tools. So I would like to start by asking you, Ioana, what tools do you currently use as of year 2021? <laughs> I can answer for, let's say, the entirety of 2020. I've been using uh, Stigma in my workplace as, a main, as the main design tool. And uh, also, I've started using it for personal projects, but uh, I'm still using Sketch because I have a lot of legacy documents, especially on the social media assets. And so I find it, um, I think I tried one to transition from uh, Sketch to Figma um, to, to move some file, transfer some file, but um, I, I couldn't get my head around it easily. And so I gave up immediately <laughs> and I decided, okay, I'm going to still use Sketch and Figma in parallel. So these are the design tools that I use uh, most frequently. Um, I have been using Miro for a long time since it was real time board uh, and it didn't even, it wasn't even called Miro, but last year I kind of started using it more intensively. So it became, let's say the go-to place for starting any design project. 
which in the past would be somewhere in sketch uh, creating a page that's called discovery or that's called research or so something along these lines but right now i'm starting every uh, design project and the work i've done in miro um yeah other tools that i've been using of course zoom if you want to consider it a tool it's became it became mandatory not only for meetings but also for research purposes um what else i have a favorite tool for uh the research efforts i've been doing it's called userbit it's uh something that i discovered from a design agency that i was a consultant for uh they're from switzerland i don't know if this is a swiss product but anyhow they they showed me userbit and i really liked it and it's a tool in which you can uh create interview guides and then map out the answers and then uh tag the answers uh, create affinity diagrams they also have a persona component so it's really good in the it really helped me with as a support for the interviewing efforts which we all know can get very messy once you start to extract all the findings and the insights and uh, post-its all over now all the post-its are digital of course and uh yeah user bit helped me and um yeah i think these are top of mind uh i've also started to use notion thanks to you and pizza <laughs> so thank you for revolutionizing my uh my work um notion is great indeed for uh managing my uh my work, <laughs> um, you can do pretty much anything in Notion actually. So we also talked in a previous episode about creating a portfolio with Notion, mm -hmm. which, which is starting to become a trend. I see more and more people uh, exploring this, uh, this yeah. format for their portfolios. And uh, yeah, I don't wanna take more time. I'm curious to hear uh, what, the, what tools you're using right now. Oh God, I think like this topic could be, we could talk about it for ages because if I look right now at my table or my phone or in general, what I've been using in the past, it's like overwhelming how many tools there are. It's one topic about, you know, what tools do we use on a daily basis, I think, um, and on different stages of the design process, as well as what are the new hot tools that we need to look out for because I believe that there are more interesting uh, trends um, coming up maybe 2021 or even moving forward. I would probably start from the basic tools I definitely use day to day and that stick with me already in any design process. Mainly when I start the process, it would be Miro. And with my students, we always use Miro, even though Figma right now kind of follows pretty similar tools. They kind of suggest uh, similar interaction tools, uh, yet we are still using Miro for interaction, for co co collaboration and uh, links and workshops and stuff like that. That's usually the main to go tool, but then, uh, well, actually there is also the project management tool, which for my personal projects as, uh, as you, I usually would use Notion. In the past, I was using Trello, but uh, for projects in, at work, of course, we use uh, Jira and Confluence and all of that things, which is more, I guess, corporate um, toolkit. Um, then when it moves forward with the project development cycle, I would say that it would depend because if we use the, if I use research, if I need to do the research and my side projects, I would use tools like Google survey or uh, Typeform, or sometimes I would use the tool Airtable because they actually recently introduced um, the new format, which is called forums or surveys, where um, the Airtable is, is, is a really great tool, very interactive. It's kind 
kind of dynamic Excel sheets, if you wish. Um, so it's it's all about databases, but you can tweak this databases to use in any format. You can use it all like cards, like a Kanban, or you can use it as a survey where every answer that you will receive will directly go to your database and you can manage all your research there. So I kind of tweaked it for my needs, for user search needs, and I find it extremely valuable. You can also automate many, many different things there. So I kind of found it super cool um, as the tool for a search, but I've heard about UserBeat as well. And I feel like, oh, this is a really, really good tool. I haven't uh, tried it actively, but I, I saw it and I tried it once. And I think I should be kind of trying to use it as well a little bit more. But as we move forward uh, through the project, there are different tools there that pop up. Uh, for example, for design brief, I, our strategy, I would still use uh, Figma or Miro, depending on, you know, are you working alone or with people uh, or yeah, collaborate with somebody um, like other stakeholders in the team. But when it comes to the actual, so let's say you have done your strategy, you have done your research, you know what you're trying to build uh, at the end of this project. So as you start prototyping, of course, it's pen and paper. I, I still prefer pen and paper. Sometimes I would use like, um, the iPod tools like a notability where you can sketch things around and it's so easy to move things around. It's just like when you do a sketch and you want to copy it, it's so much easier on iPad. But it's it's not the same feeling as you would do on the paper, because when you do it with the paper, I think I'm more engaged in the process of visual brainstorming. So pen and paper, sometimes iPad, but as we come to this most, I guess, interesting topic, what design tool do we want to use to prototype our solutions? This is where the whole debate starts. And in my experience, I've been using probably like you, you want to sketch for most of the time from, I think, 2000, whatever, for 15 or something. Before that, I was using Photoshop and Illustrator, but I preferred Illustrator. Then there was this era of sketch. Everybody was using sketch. And then in 2019-ish, maybe 18-ish, depends uh, where you work, uh, people started transitioning either to Adobe XD or to Figma. And I particularly felt that Figma is more like my uh piece of a cake. So I kind of transitioned to Figma more proactively. It was a little bit hard, honestly speaking, after developing such a strong mental patterns of using Sketch and having everything so organized and so underhand. Um, everything seemed to be so usual to me. And I was so, so, so effective with Sketch. But then basically everybody started moving to Figma and you realize this real big need that you need to collaborate, that you need to have those design system in place, which Sketch unfortunately wasn't providing um, quickly, I guess. Uh, so they started to fall apart behind the market needs. And uh, and here we are mainly, I feel like right now, and correct me if, if you feel like it's a different story but i feel like right now the market is moving to adopt uh, figma as the main market standard at least this is what i see in not just in startups which were the first one who picked up the tool for collaboration and not just for design agencies but also for a big corporation and i'm working in one of those corporations uh, and we are transitioning to figma as well and the previous company i was working for which was also a corporation they transitioned to, to Figma also in the beginning of 2020. So I do feel like Figma is becoming this one huge tool, which is very hard to beat right now. I know that XD is uh, keeping up. They're trying to suggest new features. They do have some benefits of using the tool, but I think the main benefit 
of using Figma and why people are so keen to transition to it right now is the fact that it's free. It offers one-stop shop where you have everything, starting from collaboration, sketching, a prototyping, handoff, uh, and stuff like that. So pretty much everything you need, design system and everything else. So everything you need for effective design work, you can find in Figma. Yes, they still have some things to work further, but I feel like it's it's... Again, it's because it's one-stop shop, it's very hard to um, try to, you know, use other tools. It was the same story for my company. I also work in a big company, over 3,000 employees all over the world. And uh, Figma, uh, we were all using Sketch. And uh, we were also complementing Sketch with a bunch of uh, handoff tools. Like uh, we were using some teams uh, were using Abstract, other teams were using Zeppelin, other teams were using, uh, I don't know, some people I think were using Envision. So it was, we were all over the place in terms of how the handoff was being done. This was one side of the problem. There were many problems to how the team was organized globally. But um, Figma felt like it has the strongest uh, cooperation uh, capabilities and so I think that's why it won eventually and uh, I do think that for companies there's a paid plan if I remember correctly we were paying so it's it's free for individual use but, but if you want to use it for corporate purposes then uh, it's not free anymore but that that's normal and I think that um, yeah uh, I think that why Figma won 2020 and will continue to win is that it's really easy to share the design to create prototypes that are easy to share you don't have all the hassle of opening a, a sketch cloud and then i don't know all the workarounds i was using sketch with envision for a long time then i before that i was using sketch with marvel to yeah. prototype because i Same. felt that marvel <laughs> was doing a better job at prototyping so uh, it was all i felt like i was in all these tools uh, simultaneously and it was hard to manage and I think that Figma does a great job, just like you said, at giving everything in one place. It's centralized. It has most of the capabilities that a designer might normally need. Uh, plus, it's great for collaboration. And indeed, uh, just like you said, uh, you mentioned uh, Figma and design systems. We did build our design system in Figma. So it worked and it, yep. it works quite well and uh yeah yep. that's yep. why i interrupted you sorry no no i, I feel like it's perfect what you just said is perfectly complementing what i was my thread of thoughts i guess and i also had like uh, all those notebooks with different login passwords or two different accounts and oh my god and also like at work we were still using abstract and i figured like before i wasn't using abstract and only like for this half a year i was trying to get into abstract and it's just so complicated it's so hard to manage those version and, and the, the thing is just not it's too easy to turn into mess, which is turning into mess if you don't spend enough time kind of pre-arranging things and building some solid structure yeah. around your collaboration. I, I think that abstract taps on the mental models that developers have because you have to commit the changes and so it's it's a different mental model with building branches and I wasn't able just like you said I wasn't able to adapt to this uh mental model and uh for me abstract mm -hmm. I had I had people on the team that loved using abstract but for other people it was uh 
very stressful <laughs> yes it's stressful and it's also hard to find things there and it's just like you're not you're not even sure where is this project where is this thing what the what's the source of truth right now and all there are just too many explorations that people keep committing because they still need to collaborate but it's not the most effective one because well design is messy and uh, as much as i wish uh, we could you know build one great design and commit it well it's not possible and and we are working in this very dynamic iterative uh, processes so it's it's not easy to commit and make sure it's done forever it's not done <laughs> it's always developing and also to the point when i said like that figma is free i did meant that it's free for individuals and that's why it becomes so easy for individuals who maybe let's say trying to transition to figma try it out before your company makes a big move right because you know if you have all your files all your legacy in in sketch it's it, it could be stressful to move uh, so people because it's free you can actually just start today and play around make some side projects even posts for instagram if you prefer um and actually it's getting well it will take you some time maybe for me it took maybe a few months to fully understand how things work and how things are different from sketch but it was very easy because again you could do your side projects there and it's free and it's not that you have to commit to the tool right you just give it a try but then it, you start filling it and it's very easy to transition to it once your company is also transitioning to figma if of course they plan to do that and um and so i felt like it's natural transition for many people most of the people in my company were testing Figma already for years, not years, maybe, but at least a year. Um, so we felt really prepared to get into this uh, part. But also Figma has this design system analytics, which I felt like super powerful. You can see what components are being used and uh, who contributes more here and there. And it's just like, it's all transparent and I really love analytics and data so it makes you really empowered when it comes to your work so we tackle the topic design tools right there are a bunch of tools we feel like figma is the most strong one at this point right now in the beginning of 2021 uh, we will see how it turns out maybe xd will you know catch up and actually make a big bold change and everybody will start turning to it we will see uh, but uh, but as of right now figma is the market leader on our opinion and there are great tools out there that we use such as notion Airtable, uh, research tools maybe like user beat uh, miro of course and um and few other tools which i guess are here and there for example i personally feel like the no code tools are starting to jump into this market and kind of occupy a market a little bit for example webflow we all know many people many designers um, started using it um, and few more tools we can talk about in the future but i thought about you know we're talking about the tools here a lot so i wanted to maybe also make a step back and also discuss the question how important are the tools for our processes how you know so can you imagine being a designer without design tools do you really need to have a tool to be a designer what's your intake on this you I think this is the most important question that we'll ask today, actually. So the question, uh, the questions, what tools are the market standard, what are both tools we are using and so on, they're, they're fun to discuss. But essentially, uh, what it all comes down to is that the design craft is not about knowing how to use one tool or another. It's about knowing how to solve problems. So tools are just enabling you to go through your thought process they support you along this journey of uh, of the of the ux process so i think that uh, at some point you mentioned pen and paper and i think that uh, if you if you are to look at the design uh job um in its essence you can do it with 
pen and paper. You can then go to a developer and simply explain this is the solution that I want to see implemented. So it's it's uh, all these other tools, of course, they make our practice more uh, maybe easier, maybe more visual, maybe they make it uh, more tangible if you want. But in essence, we I think that designers can be designers even with just some paper and a pen. These are my two cents. Totally agree with you. And I'm agreeing with you because I have seen the opposite story when, you know, people just learn the tool and feel like they are designers, which when you see this in practice does not really make sense because you can see a lot of designers thinking that the design is all about making pixels beautiful, I guess, or pushing pixels left and right. It's not necessarily, yes, on the paper, it might look like that, but it's not really the truth. Um, and we see a lot of newbie designers that just directly go to dribble and copy, basically learn quickly how to use Figma or Sketch or whatever else. And then try to copy some dribble shot. And those are the designs in the vacuum. They don't necessarily understand what they are solving with the shot, how this particular screen they have designed supports the goal of the user's tasks and uh, how this particular shot actually, you know, works in the whole ecosystem of the product. So it's, it's very, it's definitely not enough to just learn one tool and think you're a designer. It's much more holistic approach to solving problems. You might be even much better designer if you don't know any tools, but you have the thinking, you, you know how to solve problems, you know how to approach solving problems. You can make complex things seem easy. You know uh, how to do the research and to understand users' needs. And then tackling those users' needs, you really can use a napkin in the bar, prototype a quick flow to solve that problem. So I don't think the design tool defines you as a good designer. And I don't think that we need to pay too much attention to the tools. Yes, tools are important. They make our work more effective. They make our communication with uh, different stakeholders more effective more fancy sometimes. They could trigger stakeholders paying attention to what we are doing, but they are just the tools. They're here to help us communicate in ideas and solve problems. So don't overpay attention to tools. It's fun to play around. It's definitely a part of our process, but I still want to emphasize the fact that without tool, you can be a great designer, but with the tool, without the process, you cannot be a great designer. Without the critical thinking and the design thinking process, you cannot be a great designer. So that's just my bottom line, I guess, point for this episode. But I just wanted to make it super clear for everybody who's just starting out and thinking that, um, you know, just learning one tool and copying dribble shots would make you a designer. Unfortunately, it's not the case. So tell me a little bit more about your journey of your transition from Sketch to Figma. How did it felt? How was your journey? And if somebody is trying to transition to new tools or learning new tools right now, uh, what would you suggest to the people? I'm going to share my own transition story and then uh, if I had any takeaways around it, I think that my first transition and I think the biggest transition yet was switching from Photoshop to Sketch. So that was uh, massive because the, I mean, now switching between Adobe XD, Sketch or Figma or anything of this kind will not feel as alien as it felt going from uh, Photoshop, which is a completely, well, it's not a UX design tool. It was, uh, it was a workaround that UX designers were, were using in order to be able to uh, generate the visual solutions. Um, yeah. So when I switched, I, I, I was kind of 
just like it happens with any tool that you use for a long time, you get quite accustomed to it. You get very, um, uh, your, your mental models start to shape around it. You have muscle memory and your, everything is automated. And so when I moved away from uh, Photoshop, it was uh, really difficult <laughs> because I know that uh, Photoshop was annoying to use as a UX designer. And it was a, a lot of unnecessary complexity to the product that you didn't need um, for your UX design tasks. But at the same time, I was used to it. And so even if I was using this newer, very clean, uh, sim simpler and uh, more to the point interface, it, it, it took a while for me to get accustomed to it. Now, the next switch I had to do was from, Squ from Sketch to Figma and it felt much easier because yeah, they're quite similar in a way. So there are some differences, maybe shortcuts are different. Maybe, I don't know, you have some features that are missing in one part or the other, some differences, but pretty much overall, they're kind of uh, tapping into the same mental models. They kind of have the same uh, behavior and functionalities. So the basic, uh, the basic idea is that you give yourself some time and you try maybe to use them in parallel for a while. So don't go too hard and okay, to starting today, I'm going to start a completely different tool and maybe that will slow you down or will make you feel frustrated so just it's like I know when we're launching big changes in our products that we tend to leave the old interface so when we're redesigning I've been through uh, involved in two major redesigns at two big companies so one for an internet banking platform and another for the product I'm working uh, now and um, yeah the lesson we've learned is that you need to give people the option to still use the old interface at least for a while so I think that this is the advice that I want to give designers. If you want to transition, make it smoothly. Don't put pressure uh, in the case that the pressure is not being put by the employer because you simply need to use another tool. But um, yeah, I don't know if this is good advice or not, <laughs> but it's what I would do for myself. Curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, 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 I feel the same way. Um, honestly speaking, I don't know why, but I hated Photoshop from the beginning so much i hated it from the bottom of my heart and I, every day even though i get used to it i hated it and so when sketch came in i think it was 2014 or 15 something there um i just felt relieved so i jumped into it without even ever looking back <laughs> so for me it was yes it was definitely a big transition it was definitely a lot of new mental models like you said but i just felt or i was expecting it so so long that it felt like a heaven to me so i kind of i was i was really excited to do this whereas um the second transition from sketch to figma was much more painful to me for some reason and that's because yeah yeah i know like it's, it's interesting because many people say oh it's so easy you just you know drop your file and it's there but I I felt so attached to sketch and I almost it's like it was like a breakup heartbreaker for me because I get used to sketch for so long and most of my career was using sketch and that's why it became so usual and so quick and I built everything I was using present, sketch for presentations for uh, for all the complex things and then communications and, and and research and everything and it just became like my main to go tool and suddenly I kind of had to switch to a new tool um, for different reasons. And I guess the main reason why I had to switch was because Sketch became so, so heavy. Like it just, the performance dropped incredibly because when we moved from Photoshop, we felt like we are moving away from the tool that, that works like a snail. It was so, so slow. It was impossible to do anything in, in Photoshop. But with some time, 
sketch became the same. Like we, I'm personal right now when I open complex files with some library, it's just impossible to move things around and it just feels so, so frustrating to me. So there was no other option. And I felt like sketch <laughs> gave up on us that we couldn't use it so effectively anymore. And that's why it was just like almost like a for enforcement to move to a Figma where things are so smooth and so easy and you can shuffle around things and move around and many people could use it and it still will work smoothly. Um, so for some reason, yes, I felt that it was a hard transition, <laughs> like from one relationship to another. But again, after two, three months, it did felt like it's it's okay. There are things that you get used to. There are small annoying things. There are some differences in how um, maybe how responsive your mockup works. Um, that some differences in logics. So for example, in Sketch, you would pin things to the side and they would be responsive. But in Figma, you need to have a little bit of a uh, front-end developer mindset with um with auto layout and and there are small things which you really just need to get accustomed to so for me there was some learning curve but um i do i do agree with you that if if you are transitioning from one to another you do need to give your team or yourself if you're a solo entrepreneur some time to get used to it so don't just switch to the tool just like that one morning you wake up and you move all your projects there you need to give it the time you need to play around give yourself some side projects pet projects that you want to build in figma and figure things right on the go don't definitely don't jump into client projects um, right away if you have never used figma because you will ask a lot of questions how things are organized here how do you manage this how do i achieve this and what helped me a lot was to reach out to people um, that adopted figma earlier so some community um, ambassadors or advocates for Figma who were using it from 2018 and just uh, knew everything, figured everything out already. So I just wanted to say thank you, Rusmir, who helped me a lot. He's the um, community ambassador, I believe, in Sarajevo, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, hope, I'm hoping I'm not. But uh, he, he helped me just a lot. I was basically bugging him for every question I had. And, uh, and then there is this Figma Slack channel where people share questions and what they have learned today. And it's just so useful when the community helps you out to support you to solve uh, to find a workaround for your need and it's just super cool that community is already there so if you have any questions uh, there are much more people you can reach out to to gain the answers especially in again 2021 when we were moving from photoshop to sketch there the community was not exactly there there were things here and there but it was not like a massive community that would support you in anything you need but right now it just feels so much more welcoming in general so um so yeah, I think like <laughs> transition today should be feeling much more smooth unless you have a breakup <laughs> journey like I did have. Um, another question I wanted to quickly tackle here with you um, on this episode would be for maybe interesting, interesting new tools that you are seeing emerging right now in the market, something that maybe early adopters, if um, early adopters are listening to us, want to look out for, if you're a designer who want to be sort of, who want to try out different things and find the best tool set for themselves right now at this stage of their career. Um, so if there are any tools, discoveries that you have done recently that you want to share with the community? Okay, so uh, yeah, I'm hoping that I can share a couple of tools that might prove valuable for the people that are listening to this episode. Before I move on into sharing this tool, I, I was reflecting on everything we said so far, and I just want to add that this 
disclaimer that we are not paid by Figma. <laughs> no, we are so not. We're not paid by anything just yet. If you have an interest, leave it out to us. <laughs> yeah, because I know that we talked Figma so much and we praised it and it was like top of uh, mind all the time throughout this conversation. And I don't want to... Uh, I don't want that people get the feeling that this is a sponsored episode. It's not. <laughs> okay, so yeah. getting back to uh, to the uh, tools that people can use. I also um, had a clubhouse app, um, room a couple of weeks ago where I invited people to share resources. So I got a lot of interesting uh, resources from the community. But some uh, tools that I think I want to start with mentioning is uh, are the following. So one of them is one that I know that you had some posts recently uh, about. A hot jar is something that we didn't mention so far in the conversation, and that is a very valuable tool in the design process, especially in the discovery phase. It helps you get a lot of uh, insights on how people are using um, your website or web page. So it's uh, it's extremely valuable. It shows you heat maps. It shows you click, click maps. So you can see what people are doing, even has recordings of the uh, visits. And so this is something that I would recommend anybody to explore, but it's pretty much well known. So I, I don't think this is a, I'm revolutionizing uh, uh, my listeners right now. Another tool that I feel I should mention uh, probably is lesser known. Um, they invited me to be an advisor on their board. So that's how I discovered them. So they're in their early days. It's a tool called Creative Critique. And I think that this space for delivering a proper critique in a good setup, with the right mindset, with the right goals, with, with the right frame, if you want, was something that was kind of missing from the design industry. And so I think that it's extremely valuable. It's an extremely valuable tool for uh, teams, for schools, for people who have courses, for anything of us, even for small teams and individual use could be. But uh, I think that uh, especially for uh, bigger teams or uh, classrooms or stuff like that. So creative critique is something that will uh, enable you to deliver to yeah to discuss design better if you want uh then from the community in the clubhouse room that i uh, organized there were a bunch of tools uh, around the research i'm just gonna quickly quickly go through them uh look back i always something that i've known for years uh i think i was the one that actually mentioned it um it's a tool that has uh, eye tracking uh capabilities and you will get to perform usability testing with your users and see what they're doing and where they're looking at optimal workshop is a great tool for card sorting uh, maze uh, it's another it's another usability um uh, platform that connects the figma uh, quite well if i uh if I understood correctly from the users, I just explored it uh, superficially so far. Uh, Optimizely is a great tool for A-B testing. Um, yeah, Team Viewer, I understand it's an app where users can get access, uh, can give you access to their screen, which was super valuable, I think. So people will very much uh, enjoy this one, Team Viewer. Uh, Hawkeye is another tool that I recently discovered. Um, it's on eye tracking, uh, strong on eye tracking, if you want. Okay, and uh, yeah, I don't want to, we could continue forever and forever, and I could just list uh, a lot of um, other design tools. Um, but I'm going to stop here. If there's anything that you would like to add, 
and uh, then maybe we share our final valuable sure. points. Sure, uh, I was even making notes while you were while you were speaking, and actually I tried to find this one creative creative critique and I couldn't. So maybe you can share with us the link later, and we will add it to the um, to the show notes because yeah, for some reason I couldn't find it, but it sounds interesting. So there are three tools that I would like to mention in, in this episode. There are a few more resources which I will plug later because they have like a sort of comparison a list of different tools for different stages. But three tools that I personally, actually four tools uh, right now, as I'm thinking about it, four tools that I also look for or try to use and I really love them. One tool is called um, flow map and it's basically for you to put together personas customer journeys flow charts and stuff like this uh so i did really really love this um tool for kind of converge stage of my of my research um i also love the tool you which does pretty similar things they also pro- uh, provide you pretty dynamic tools for creating personas and customer journeys and they also even have um academy you academy for uh, learning how to build personas and customer journeys in an effective way so that they could communicate with your stakeholders um, so those tools are pretty good for again the first diamond or the first um, stage first stage of your um, of your design project another tool which I usually would use at the end of my uh, design double diamond I guess in the very end would would, uh, would be called useberry.com which is the tool it's, it's similar to maze.com but um, I find it a little bit less, I guess, overwhelming in terms of amount of features. Um, so I really love to use it. It could be like a great com- uh, competitor to maze.com. It's basically Hotjar, but for prototypes, which allows you to set up the tests together for your prototypes, not necessarily like a real products already implemented products, but really for, again, you can plug there your link or your Figma link or sketch envision link and uh, put together a quick test. Uh, it could be a five second test. It could be uh, testing the flow. It could be um, single road flow or it could be multiple road flow. So you can really just generate um, a heat maps to see where people click, how they go through the flow, what flows they prefer for particular tasks. You can also see how much time per task people spend. Um, there is pretty good analytics there and um, and yeah, I just found this tool really, really useful and helpful for me to uh, spot all the usability issues early on before, you know, moving forward for, yeah, for development. Um, and the other tool that I wanted to plug here, which I find really exciting right now, and this is a tool, the new category as for me is the no-code movement, where there are a lot of interesting tools coming up together that allows you to basically almost like published real project without coding it. I know it sounds crazy. <laughs> Many developers would probably listen to this and say like, oh my God, again, those designers just want to avoid code. It's not effective, it's bad, blah, blah, blah. I do understand this. I know that there is nothing beats a good code. But um, again, for quick ideas testing, for quick MVP project, um, product market fit testing, I think those tools could be really, really valuable. And with some time, I'm sure they will develop extra features that will allow to build a more clean code. Um, So one of the tools that we all know and pretty much, I guess, many people were tried tried it already is called Webflow, where you can build um, you can build visually your website. You still need to have the front-end developer logic in mind because you built uh, literally code, but visually. 
So it's not that you jump on it and you can, you know, move squares around and they will be done, but it's much more easier and it's definitely helping you also to develop uh, some sort of <laughs> thinking of the of, of a developer. Um, so you can be a better designer at the end. And also another tool that I really love or try out sometimes, and right now I'm kind of you know, wrapping my head around it, um, is called Bravo Studio. It's like a tool that allows you to build mobile apps, literally uh, skipping development. And it's the point of this tool is basically to, okay, you design something in Figma, there are flows, you connect screens to each other, but the issue is that this is a static mockup, right? So you cannot really interact with this. You cannot connect it to some database with some real user's data, uh, with some content in there. And that's where you stop. You cannot really populate their real content. So this tool, Bravo Studio, allows you to populate a real content and basically play, make your prototype almost real, feel real. And the point is that you can actually publish this. It could be an actual product. Yes, right now they have some limited capacity, so you cannot build really interactive databases with relations between data tables, but it's getting there. And I feel like it's already pretty empowering for us designers. It's pretty simple to use it. You just build your prototype and connect it to some database and say, here we show content, here we show users and whatever. So I think like there was those great tools coming up on the market right now that allows you to build project, build products without actually coding it and hiring um, expensive developers for small things that don't necessarily need to be so complicated and you can actually do them. Just go to one hackathon and build a product literally from Figma. Um, so this is exciting. I do look out for more tools like this in the market and uh, cannot wait to see us, us, us designers being more empowered uh, moving forward for our testing purposes. Uh, especially on the no-code category, I wanted to recommend a tool myself it's called uh, Editor X. It's launched by Wix. Uh, I did have a paid sponsorship with them, and that's how I uh, discovered them uh, very early on. So when they were they were in their uh, beta version, I built my website with them, and uh, it was a uh, yeah uh, interesting experience for me because I haven't actually built a website before. I've worked with developers all my life, uh, <laughs> but um, it was. Um, it was a great experience and I love the, I think it's a great tool for designers because it mimics the mental models that designers have. And so uh, this is something that's important for us, Some of the, that no code tools or low code tools are uh, more aligned to the designer mindset than to the developer mindset, if you want. Uh, this was one thing. And I, I, I think that their key strength or is that they um, give great control on the design. Uh, output. So you have the ca capacity of controlling every breakpoint, every customized breakpoint, make sure it behaves well on every device out there. So it's it's quite uh, sophisticated if you want, you know, in a sense. And uh, yeah, I think people should also try it out. It's called Editor X. And another tool that just crossed my mind completely random is called Mix Panel, and it's a tool for product analytics. And I think that uh, there's some uh, engineering effort uh, involved in order to uh, link uh, the events on your uh, product. But I think it's well worth it. It's actually essential that you track your product's usage. And so Mixpanel will prove to be a great solution um, at my current employer. So yeah, that's that. I think we could go on forever and ever and just yes. listing awesome <laughs> tools. And this yeah. actually leads us to our final point of sharing our top uh, top ideas, top findings from this conversation. And I'm gonna continue my train of thought by saying that 
I think that as designers, we should uh, be empowered and we should empower ourselves to constantly explore new tools and try out the even all the rage, uh, uh, sexy, juicy new tools out there. I think we, we, we should try them out because we never know how, uh, you never know how one of these tools might enhance your design uh, process, might help you get more out of the efforts that you're putting into uh, solving problems. And so I think that we should always keep a very open mindset. I know that it's easy to get used to a particular tool. Like I, okay, I'm using Sketch and Sketch is everything I need. I will do everything in Sketch and that's that. But I think that uh, we should force ourselves to explore, to get our hands dirty with every new tool that's out there because uh, many times they bring uh, even, even a marginally value uh can be super valuable for the final outcome of uh of your design process this is my first uh takeaway my second takeaway would be um one that you mentioned briefly i touched upon then and i'm touching upon again pen and paper are actually the fundamental design tools and um that's all I have to say about it. <laughs> and uh, my last point is that tools should be regarded as simply a means to an end. So basically we use tools to enable our thinking process. It's the thinking process that makes us a designer. And just like you said, knowing a tool, learning a particular tool will not make you a designer. It is your thought process and the way you approach so you approach solving problems that actually make you a designer. So these are my top three takeaways and I'm really excited to hear yours. I have nothing else to add, but just to amplify what you have just said, <laughs> because I do agree that it's those three main takeaways you need to take uh, from this episode, if you wish. Um, it's important to keep in mind that to be open-minded to try out new tools, to keep it playful, to don't think about them like as a hard commitment that you start and use forever because dynamic market is very dynamic. Things change, new trends are popping up and uh, there are new projects that you never know where it will bring you. You know, like for example, if tomorrow there is a new client that asks you to prototype something in AR and yeah, you need to explore a new tool for that. Um, by the way, I know that XD does that. So just, uh, just for, for a note, but you never know, uh, there are new tools popping up on the market and you need to keep yourself open-minded to try out new things to avoid mistakes like I did with the breakup with Sketch which was pretty hard <laughs> for me um, you don't want to be in the same position that's my bottom line and I do agree with you that yes we need to focus more on problem solving rather than uh, tools tools will not make you a great designer as much as we play around as much as we try to make it more effective and save time and communicate better those are great nice things to have but not essential essential to you as a professional for a profession to be a great designer you need to solve problems you need to think creatively you need to emphasize with the users with the business stakeholders you need to think about um, you need to think design thinking i guess you need to solve problems that's my bottom line and tools are just here to make our processes a little bit more sweet and nice and more playful so don't get attached to them and um, maybe i would encourage as my new point to add here i would encourage everybody to spend their free time playing out with the new tools because they could actually make a difference in your next project and it could be really handy um, for new opportunities so being open-minded and spending your free time on exploring those new gems could be really useful for you in the future um, that's it, I think, for, 
from our side for today. Um, thank you so much for contributing and asking us this question. Um, if you have any more specific question on any other topic you extra related, just let us know in the DM in our Instagram. Uh, and you can always find us as Honest UX Talks on Instagram. We will really like to cover your topic or your question on the next episode. Um, yeah, that is it from our side. Anything else you want to add, Do you want to before we say goodbyes? I just want to thank you and our listeners for uh, listening to this episode and this awesome conversation. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>